Well, welcome to the second episode of the Coffee Break podcast, the podcast for young professionals discussing the world around us. I'm Stephanie. I'm Lisa. And today we're going to talk about um, some of the difficulties in staying motivated in the type of work that we do. Um, I think it's a fitting topic. It's actually, I just realized, a year since both of us graduated um, with our master's degree. So we've been working in the world for um, about a year, and it's a good time to just reflect on um, some of the challenges we have in staying motivated. So we're each going to share a little bit about what we're doing and our specific challenges and then kind of talk about um, where they overlap and maybe what we can do about them. So um, Lisa will go first. Okay. Um, so I do communications work um, for a bunch of different education nonprofits. Um, and I also am the editor and writer for Redefining Eco, a blog that talks about uh, women's role in the environmental movement. Um, so it, it's, it's a lot of fun. I get to work with a bunch of different organizations and see a lot of different perspectives, which is really cool. Um, but it's also really challenging for uh, a couple of different ways. First of all, it's challenging to remember which organization I'm doing what for um, on a kind of logistical level. Um, but it's also challenging because the work that I'm doing day to day is not um, necessarily the work that I had planned on doing. Um, so it's challenging to find what about it uh, I'm passionate about and where I can find that passion. And then also it's challenging to, um, to not lose sight of what it is that I really want to be doing and how I can get there. Um, it's also challenging because none of these positions are full-time. Um, just in the kind of way things are in the country right now, it's very difficult to find full-time work for someone in communications. Um, so I'm doing a lot of part-time things, which is why it's so challenging. Um, and I think the other thing in terms of being the editor of a blog, it's, it's challenging to, first of all, for people to take that seriously. And second of all, um, to really stay true to what the intention of the blog was at the beginning and not get you know, bogged down by what other people suggest I should do with it. Um, I, every time I start talking about, I write this blog about women in the environment, uh, everyone has a suggestion of what they would like to see on the blog um, and what they suggest I should do for this strategy or that strategy. And so it's really frustrating to stay, to stay motivated in doing and making that what I want it to be and not what other people think it should be. So that's me in a nutshell right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think one thing that um, you didn't mention but I can imagine is the um, the pay issue with all of that, right? The, yes. Like, because the, <laughs> we'll find out this is something that I deal with, the, the low pay versus there's a lot of work to do and there's a tension there. Yes. Um, so I um, am a community organizer in um, Cleveland. I work for an organization with a specific point of view, and we work on um, in a in a political arena. We don't do election work per se all the time, but we do do delve into politics issues. Obviously, it's a very politically charged time right now. Um, we started the election campaigning, it seems, 
a year ago and the election is still six months away today. So it's difficult to do that kind of work in an arena where, um, in an environment where politics is so um, contentious. And you deal with a lot of people who um, don't agree and who in fact disagree very um, passionately. And you also deal with people who don't care. And sometimes that's more difficult for me than the people who actually disagree. I mean, it can be hard to hear people say, you know, we can't make a difference. I don't feel like I have a vote. I don't care who the president is because it doesn't impact my life. Um, and these are things that I hear from my friends and my family when I talk about the work I do and I hear in my job. So it's very difficult sometimes to um, just brush that off uh, because it is easy to feel that way. Um, I just mentioned the, the low pay versus there's a lot of work to do. Um, you know, it's just the nature of being an entry-level job, I think. <laughs> um, there is this tension, you want to make a good impression and get all your work done, but you know, you're kind of not making that much and you're at the lowest end of the totem pole and don't have a lot of decision-making power, which can be a little bit frustrating. Um, and I think I would agree too that, you know, it's it's maybe not what you thought you would be doing forever and so how to figure out what are the pieces that you like the most and how you're going to take that going forward. I think that's really um, a, a difficult challenge in terms of staying motivated. Um, and I think also, you know, people have a lot of opinions on the kind of work that I do. My family, my mom always asks me, like, what are you going to do with your life for real? And I'm like, thanks, Mom. You're really helping me feel good about my job and my work right now. And so when you hear that, when you hear, you know, people bashing the kind of issues that you care about or there's a lot of misinformation about there, it's really hard to continue to be motivated. Um, so where would you like to start the conversation? What, what of those topics should we take up first? Um, let's start with, let's, let's tackle the, the low pay issue first and then okay. go from there. Yeah. Um, so one of the things about low pay, so like I said, I work for a bunch of different education nonprofits. Um, and in the course of this past year, I've been told that I am the perfect intern. I'm like really, really good at being an intern. Um, and having people tell you that and then hiring someone else for the job, um, that you are still an intern for is just really, really frustrating. Um, and, and, and it's that, that pay issue. Um, they don't, they think I'm a really, really good at doing, you know, random tasks throughout the day and that kind of stuff, but I'm not quite good enough to pay a salary and they don't want to spend their money on me. Um, it's really frustrating, yeah. you know? And then, I mean, I get it. Like nonprofits don't have money and I get that. And I'm willing to work for, not a lot of money. But I want you to value my skills where they should be valued. Right. You know? I think, though, that we're kind of taught to believe that to work in the issues that we care most about, to work for these nonprofits, we have to take less money. And I think, you know, that's a little bit unfair, especially if you're, being, if you're just being relegated to these intern roles where they're not paying you at all. I mean, I think there is, a, you know, that tension between they don't have a ton of money, but, you know, you need to get paid. You know, but I think it's a little bit unfair to just say 
when they don't have that much money. Um, because, you know, again, if, you know, they, they hire other people, they have a staff. Um, and so I think it's really just that they they want to get as much out of you as, as they can for as little <laughs> amount of money. That's, I mean, that's, it's not that they don't have it. If they, if they wanted to pay you, they would find it. And then not, it's not reflected on you. It's reflected on the fact that they just want to, you know, work you to the bone <laughs> without paying you. Right. And I was actually at this, um, this event the other, a few weeks ago with a bunch of different people who work in nonprofits and they were talking about how they love, interns because it's interns do a lot of work and especially now interns do extra work because they want you to hire them at the end of it and they were talking about how great it is to have interns who you don't have to pay and who you get like a fresh person after you know whatever four months six months whatever who comes in with like more passion and more excitement and it's just to me it's really sad that that's that that's where nonprofits are and maybe yeah. it's not all nonprofits, obviously. Maybe it's just like this group of people in this room, but still. It may also be different in, in a place like DC where there's like a plethora of well educated, yeah. you know, young people trying to, you know, find their dream job. But I still think it's sad. I mean, what you said is, is exactly right. It is sad. It's, I think it's sad for the work of the organizations as well like they what they what they should really want is to invest in people this is what some corporations do right like they'll places where um you know like my fiance works or or my mom works they will invest in you they will pay for you to go to further education to get further education they will you know move you on these career tracks and i think you know where nonprofits fail in a lot of ways is they don't really seem to be doing that as well. And they, I think it leads to burnout, you know, and, and they go through these people so quickly and it, it really, you know, has a negative impact on individuals' motivation, which is too bad. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, it's, it's hard to stay motivated when people keep telling you that you'll burn out after two years. And like, it's two years, you should spend two years with an organization and then move on to a new cause. Like, Really? Yeah, I've heard that too. Wow. And I mean, that to me doesn't say much for, I mean, nonprofits are supposed to be about, um, you know, making a difference in the world mm-hmm. to sound very, you know, freshman ecology. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like it's, it's supposed to be about, you know, helping people and doing something that you feel really, really proud of. And yeah. to trade that for two years of burnout, like that sucks. <laughs> yeah. I think it goes back, I think it's part of this idea, too, that there's so much work to be done, Mm -hmm. and it's up to a smaller staff making less money to to make up that shortfall of what needs to be done, and people work themselves into the ground trying to do it all so that they can prove that they're worth the the money that they should be getting paid anyway, and it's, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just a vicious cycle. Yeah. And... You know, then the objectives of the organization are not being met, and then the whole nonprofit will probably have to hold. I mean, it's just, it's, it's terrible for motivation. It's it's terrible for the goals of the organization. I think mm-hmm. too. I agree, absolutely. Um, and you know, we 
we knew we went into this field these kinds of work the kind of work that we're doing knowing that we were never going to make tons and tons and tons of money and so that's not really the point the point is you need to make a living wage and more than a living wage really because we are professionals right we have um, advanced degrees we worked hard we're good at what we do <laughs> um, but I always also have in the back of my mind this like idea that as a woman I chose this career I'm making less than my partner and you know that's really hard to stay motivated too because I need to know I know that like in five years when we're ready to have kids I need to be making more money than I'm making right now <laughs> and you know if I'm not going to be doing that it's kind of hard to to stay motivated and stay focused yeah, and I think I think it leads to some kind of self-doubt at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, like, would I still be working this hard to, you know, find that perfect job and make this dream happen if there wasn't a safety net for my fiancé's job? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. If he didn't pick up the slack when I couldn't pay for groceries that month, you know, like, that leads a lot of self-doubt. You know, we both yeah. have advanced degrees in feminism like am I being a good feminist if I'm actually relying on this safety net so I think that also makes it really hard to stay motivated and keep working towards this like even though he's awesome and is very supportive um it's hard and it doesn't help that my family (laughs) that my family calls that out um yeah you know that they call you out on well aren't you supposed to be a feminist like why are you letting this happen why are you letting him do that or that like, that doesn't help either, to be constantly on the defensive about every aspect of your life just because you, you know, chose to do whatever with your life. Like, mm-hmm. that's not motivational. <laughs> no, yeah, you're right. That's, yeah, I think, I think the reaction of family to the situation that you're in, to the type, in my case, to the type of work that I do, um... You know, it can be really draining because you go into these family situations. You know, they are your family and you want to be there, but you also don't sometimes have a choice. Like, you have to go to Christmas. <laughs> like, it just is, right? But right. you know these things are going to come up. You know you're, you know, you know how your your parents feel about these issues, that they disagree with you, and that you're probably going to have to be on the defensive because, you know you're the only one who feels this way. <laughs> and, you know, that, that, that in itself, just thinking about that is really draining. Like, the, do I say something? Do I, do I make my position known? Um, not even about the work that I'm doing, but the, the, per, the way that I look at the world. So do I, do I say something today or do I just let it go and walk out of the room? You know, it's obviously different if it's my family versus if it's, Mike's family (laughs) that I leave the room but you know that sort of thing is draining just to think about and and yet we're put in these you know we have to be on the defensive people question whether or not you know they try to poke holes in what I'm saying I think it's a gender thing sometimes Um, and and that can be as you know just really really frustrating and you know I think kind of going off of that like not only is it you know, our families and stuff, but it's every single person you meet. Mm-hmm. Once you tell them what you do, it automatically seems to, like, give them this okay to question everything else. Right, yeah. You know, and, like... We said, like, we work in finance. 
Like, you wouldn't get that, right? <laughs> right? Like, oh, well, what do you think about, about the role of finance in the world today? <laughs> no, people are going to walk away and leave you alone. <laughs> right, yeah. Congratulations on picking a good major. Have a good day. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, that's just also very frustrating to to feel like that. And then, mm-hmm. and then to just have to always have a polite, but firm response to what they say to you and like Mm -hmm. when you so so disagree with them but you want to be the better person and be polite about it (laughs) yeah because we as women think we have to be nice I mean I think sometimes that's what it is too Mm -hmm. um you know sometimes it's like is this is this debate again it goes back to like is this debate worth having do I say nothing do I say something and sometimes it just is easier to be nice as much as you know that's a terrible attitude to have but you don't want to debate with every person you see. I'm not always in work mode, you know. Right. Sometimes I'm like, I'm no, I'm not doing that today. You know, I'm not going to respond to this random comment the guy behind me in the popcorn line just said. You know, <laughs> I don't need to do that. But that's really draining to have to, again, make those decisions every time. Yeah, every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I think, you know, that also leads to another challenge we have, which is, um, you know, in the face of some of those other things, staying focused and figuring out what exactly it is that we like about what we're doing and how we get there. You know, how to focus on the good in the face of some of these challenges is sometimes (laughs) a big challenge in itself. Yeah, um, I don't even know where to start <laughs> about this one. <laughs> well, I know, like, for you, it's probably even more in the in the front of your mind when you're dealing with these different organizations, and, you know, like you said, this is not the, the work that you thought you would be doing, and um, have you figured out what you like about it? I mean, are there things that you, you say, like, okay, yes, this is what I want to be doing? Yeah, so the really cool thing about, well, first of all, I'm really, really lucky to have really awesome managers at all of my positions. Um, And I think what makes that really lucky is that I've been able to kind of talk through what it is that I like about a job um, and what it is that I don't. And then I've had managers who have really helped to support that and giving me Um, you know, extra projects that are not really falling under what I'm supposed to be doing but are kind of helpful or let me sit in on phone calls that might be happening, um, that kind of thing. So I've been really lucky to do that and it's really helped me to narrow down what it is I'm looking for. And now I, I had an interview two weeks ago and the woman was like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, here's what I really want to do. Here are like the five things that I want to be doing in a job. Um, and, and I was able to be very, very clear about mm-hmm. that. And it was the first time I think that I've been in an interview and was exactly like, here are the five things I want to be doing the rest of my life. Yeah. That's huge. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm not even very clear on how to make those five things happen, but even just knowing that like, you know, I want to be doing writing. I want to be doing communications. I want to be working with a team of people. And I want to be doing, you know, some kind of written materials and putting that kind of stuff out and doing website work. Like, even something as vague as that 
is so helpful and yeah. I used to really, really hate going into all of my jobs because I didn't know what I want from them. Mm-hmm. And now I don't mind it as much. Like it, it helps a lot to stay like focused on what I'm trying to get out of it. Yeah. Which is cool. Just, yeah, just knowing what you like is a huge source of motivation because then even when you're doing something you don't like, like a specific task that you're like, wow, this is definitely not it. You know, you can say, well, I don't like this and I have to do it right now because it's part of my job. But, you know, just helpful to say, you know, I know that I'm going to not have to do this forever because I don't, I don't like it and I know that and I know what I like instead. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just a huge source of pushing through that task you don't like as much, getting yourself to do more of the stuff that you do know you, that you like instead of just like, you know, haphazardly figuring out, all right, well, what am I going to do this week at work? Trying to, like, just, you know, dilly-dally along. And, you know, you're more focused. You're more like, these are the things I'm going to really try to do because I know what I like. I mean, that's a huge source of motivation, I mm-hmm. think, um, because it just helps you push through the, the stuff you like less and the difficult conversations you have and, you know, the low pay <laughs> and all of those other challenges that we already talked about. And, and I think it's cool. Like I said, it. My manager's been really awesome about, like, helping me find that work. And then it's really cool then to be able to say, well, you know, I'm setting aside this portion of my day to work on this project and have them be like, hey, let me help you with that. Like, here's this resource. Or, hey, I think you should connect with this person who might give you information about that. Um, Which is cool. Like, this is networking without me actually having to work that hard. (laughs) You know? It's the best kind of (laughs) I don't have to go to a vet and be really socially awkward. Like, I can just meet my boss's friend, which is so much better. <laughs> yeah. And it's really, for me, it's um, related to trying to meet professional, successful women in the Cleveland area. I've been doing that a little bit and talking with them about their experience. A lot of them work in very different organizations and the kind of work that I do, but just talking to them is really inspiring and motivates me to think more critically about, you know, my behavior at work, what I'm doing, how I'm managing my time, how I'm getting what I need, how I'm doing what I'm supposed to. I mean, just talking to smart people, I find is so motivating um, because it just helps you feel like, you know, you're not crazy by you you know you are on the right path and like you're you're doing what you the best that you can and I think it's also motivating and just realizing that you don't have to dumb down what you're talking about Mm -hmm. and you don't have to start from like page one you can jump in on page whatever Mm -hmm. um which is just like inspiring you know like one of the things I've been really struggling with is like really missing that kind of community from graduate school Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, really missing having really intelligent conversations with people about things that weren't, like, you know, the metro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and how it was late again. <laughs> right. You know, like, having conversations. I've been getting into conversations with my boss about, like, education reform, mm-hmm. which has been really cool. It's not something I know. I know a lot about it now. I did not know a lot about it a year yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so, you know, that's another thing that helps me get up in the morning and go to work. Like, yeah, I can go to work and read this blog about education reform. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I think, you know, when I reach out to people 
to try to get to know. I I think I've started to cast a wide net because you, there's so many different cool things that people are doing, and you can't do them all yourself, but you can certainly you know, talk to as many people about all the different kinds of projects they're doing and figure out, okay, well, that's interesting to me, but not like it doesn't spark something deep down inside. So I'm just going to be interested in this, but I'm not really going to, you know, focus a whole lot. Whereas like this topic over here, you know, you, you, it's a visceral reaction, like the way that somebody talks about their work and gets you excited and and you're like, all right, this is something that I know I need to learn a little bit more about. And, and that in itself is motivating. Um, and to watch other people talk about the work that they're doing sometimes is really motivating. Enough to just be like, I want to be that excited about what I'm doing, <laughs> you know, and feel the way that this person feels. Um, it's not that I don't feel that way now. It's just motivating to, to, to talk to people who are really excited. <laughs> yeah, I, I met this woman the other night who... Um, She's, she has her own communications and marketing company, and she puts on conferences, like, twice a year for, like, one for her company, and then, like, for one, or not for her company, I'm sorry, one for her, like, personal project, and then one for her, one of her clients, and she was telling me about this, and I was like, holy crap, that's what I want to do. <laughs> like, you have the life that I want to lead, and it was like, I came home and made a new business plan for redefining eco, you know? Yeah. And it, it's this tiny little step. I mean, all I did was write down on paper the things that I want to happen from it. But it's mm-hmm. it's enough to, like, make me want to make plans to grow this and grow it in the right way that's going to get me to that point where I can quit my four-day jobs and actually <laughs> do this full-time. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, that's really huge. And also what you said about having a, a business plan. I just read this piece in Good Magazine, which is a great um, online news magazine by Courtney Martin, who used to write for Feministing, but she wrote about being her own mentor um, for the freelance work that she does because there's nobody else sort of doing the work, the kind of work that she does. But she laid out her, her um, strategic plan outline and what's in it and her goal, like how she sets goals and and how she stays focused doing the kind of work that she knows she really wants, but also like opening, leaving the door open to learn new skills that she might be interested in. But it got me thinking about the importance of having a personal strategic plan so that you know, it's mostly like keeping track of some of the things we talked about, like the work that you wanna do, who are the cool people doing interesting things that you wanna talk to, Um, And so I started to put some of that in writing, and I think, you know, even just starting to do that boosted my motivation to keep going, because for me, writing things down is huge. But I think it is important to have a plan, either for yourself or for a specific project that you're doing that you want to, you know, be the driver of. Yeah, I I think it's just so therapeutic, almost, to Mm -hmm. start writing it down and, like, actually have to put it into words. Um, and then you get held accountable yeah. by whatever it is that you wrote down. Yeah. I started to think about that, like, okay, I really want to meet this person, and I'm going to write this down, but this means that I'm going to have to do something about it, and I'm scared as all get out, but I'm just going to have to do it. Um, but, and, you know, that can be really motivating, too. Um, so one other challenge that we didn't have, we haven't really talked about, but I do want to just bring up before we... And is 
if you get motivation from from being a woman, maybe because you're around other really strong women or because sometimes you might be the only um, woman in the room. And I kind of know what I think, but I kind of want to hear what you have to say. I, so I actually don't work with any men. Okay. And when I, well, that's not true. I don't work face-to-face with any men. The men that I work with um, are, like, in Phoenix, Arizona, or Florida. I'm not even kidding that most of them are in these two places. (laughs) (laughs) That's weird. Um, So for me, I think I'm really inspired and motivated by by the women that I work with every day. Um, And honestly, I share an office space with this one this one man, and every time I go into the office, I want to throttle this man, which is not inspiring and wants me, it makes me not want to go into work. <laughs> so it's the opposite of motivating. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think, and I've been thinking about why it is, and I think it's because he's very, he's very take charge in a, like, leave no prisoners kind of way, mm-hmm. um, and, like, doesn't really care what he leaves in his wake as long as he gets what he wants at the end of it. Um, which is really frustrating and then I was thinking about it and the only other man that I have worked with was very similar and so I think it's just really bad luck on my part oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's their personality not their sex gender maybe yeah that these are the two like male personalities I have come in contact with in yeah. a workplace um, and I think the, the women that I work with are very like know what they want and set their sights on it, but are also want to do anything they can to help you. Mm-hmm. Like um, reveal reaching back and, and yeah. other people up. Yeah. And that, that I almost feel like is is a part of being a woman. I, I think it's very um, wanting to give another woman that chance that someone gave them. Mm-hmm. Um, from from conversations I've had with one of my bosses, that's what it seems, what her motivation for that is, um, which I think is really fun, and it makes me want to get that that position where I can do that for someone else. Yeah, that's a huge source of motivation. Yeah, and not be like that stupid jerk in my office. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I think for me, it's, it's the same way. It's why I seek out... I've, I've networked with a few men who have cool jobs, but mostly successful women um, because I think it's motivating to talk to them and to learn from them and to think about how I can help other women as well. Um, But I also, there are these uh, meetings that I have to go to for my role and the type of work that we do and um, it's mostly older men and like middle-aged older men, a few younger men, but but mostly an older population anyway. And the, the maybe one or two other women that are there are like definitely older. So I'm like the only woman under 30 <laughs> in these meetings. And it's, sometimes it's a little bit isolating. Like one time I specifically remember a group of men talking to each other and they were cursing and you know, it's like that's how they normally talked. And then I kind of joined the conversation and somebody cursed and they were like, oh, I'm so sorry for my language. Please excuse my language. And it's kind of like, no, we all know that I'm the only woman in this conversation. You know, like you don't need to highlight it. So sometimes it can be isolating. 
but actually sometimes it's a big source of motivation because they don't know what to do with me. <laughs> and that is very obvious. <laughs> and, you know, I think I can um, figure out how to use that to my advantage, not in a nasty way or in a way that's like I'm going to take control and put everybody down, but in a way that, like, can help me shine a little bit and, you know, make me maybe get noticed a little bit more for my work. Um, but it is kind of interesting and very fascinating to be in some of these meetings and um, just have everybody just not really know what to do. So it, <laughs> it, but it cuts both ways, right? It can be very easily motivating, but also very easily disempowering. So it's also important to focus on the motivational aspect of, you know, being in that position of, of the only woman under 30 in these meetings. Um, so I think we um, are just about out of time. Any last thoughts on staying motivated? So I think, I think the key is to just try and narrow it down, like what it is, I guess what it is that motivates you, and then try and keep remembering those every week. And then I think also, I, I don't know, this seems to work for both of us, but just writing it down all the time, mm -hmm. yeah. um, it's just really helpful for me and then going being able to go back to that and read something that I wrote and get inspired by myself from three yeah. months ago <laughs> yeah I think at the end of the day it's like knowing yourself what you like what you don't like what you want to accomplish putting it down on paper and you know in the day daily grind you know finding it within yourself to stay motivated and stay focused and say I know who I am and what I want and you know, I'm going to get there, and that's really what you have to do. And you, I don't think we have a choice either. Like, this is the reality that we face, and we have to just do it. <laughs> so I think it would be kind of cool um, if we set a goal for this podcast, and if we we would, I think I would be really interested to know if any of our um, listeners have cool motivational strategies that they would like to share. And I think we have a new Twitter and email that you can tell us that. We do. You can email us at coffeebreak25 at gmail.com or tweet at us at, um, at coffeebreak2go. And we'd love to hear from you um, both ways or just one, whatever one's your favorite. Um, so let us know how you stay motivated if you have a, a plan that you like to write down or if that doesn't work for you. And we will um, check in periodically on our motivation and how that's going for us. Yeah. Um, um, so, so, thank, so thank you so much for listening. And um, we will see you in a couple of weeks.